We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Gideon Rosa. Gideon, thank you again. Another question. Assuming everyone signs, who has the highest ceiling of the 2024 recruits? So I'm gonna I want us to answer this two ways, Ryan. And I'm gonna bring in your your NFL draft passion for this one. Okay. I'm gonna talk about who has the highest ceiling as a football player at college. Okay. And who has the highest draft ceiling. Okay. Because that always isn't always the best player because there's always the fit and all that kind of stuff. So I'm gonna answer the second one first and give you my opinion. Okay. In the 2024 class, the guy that I think has the highest draft ceiling is Gearby Lambert. That's what I think. Okay. Now, who has the highest ceiling offense, one offense, one defense in the 24 class as far as college football players? This one I'm a little bit more torn on. I'm back and forth between CJ and Cam Williams. I think Cam Williams, and, and, and I almost kind of want to partially talk about Kedron Young as well. I just love that group of three. I think Cam could be the most dynamic player. Kedron could be close to him, but I but Cam right now is just higher for me. But then CJ's got to be that – he's the quarterback, right? I mean, yeah. the three best players in college football this year were not quarterbacks, but the three top vote-getters in the Heisman were quarterbacks. Sure. Right? I mean, that's just the way that it is. So as far as like in that regard, because the quarterback is the trigger man. He's the guy that makes it all run. You could be really good at 10 spots, but if you're bad at quarterback, you're not going to be a great team. You're just yep. not. Yep. And so uh, I think CJ still to me in that regard has the highest ceiling from a impact in the game standpoint because of the position he plays that he can play at a high level. But if you're just talking about dominant individual player, there's yep. other guys that are more physically dominant at their positions than CJ. Kedron Young can be. Cam Williams could be. Gearby could be. I mean, there's other guys like that on offense, but when you add the aspect of the quarterback play, I still think CJ has a chance to be a special quarterback at the next level. I do. Defensively, Ryan, the highest yeah. ceiling for me is Bryce Young. Yes. Him and Kingston are my one, one my top two. Yeah, I, I would say if we're talking about defensive side of the football and you're talking about draft potential at the next level, Bryce Young would be my easy answer. You, you just don't ha- – just don't find a lot of guys that look like him. You know what I mean? As far as being six, five plus being 240 pounds and 
I mean, he's going to be one of those guys that you look back and you're going to be like, he's going to be 265, 270 pound big end where it's just like explosive, physical. I mean, there's a reason that Trayvon Walker went first overall a couple years ago, right? It's because he physically was just the most impressive dude on the hoof. And I think that Bryce Young could be that type of guy. I really do. I think college upside, Kingston for Mm -hmm. me would be college upside because he's just one of those guys where just – I mean, can't you see him being like one of those Mike linebackers that we get every couple of years where it's just like that guy makes every play seemingly and that Buckus. guy is just everywhere. Like, yeah. Buckus Award winner. That's what yeah. Kingston can be. Buckus yes. Award winner. At Mike or Will. I mean, that's yep. what it comes down to. Yep. Uh, so we're on the same page defensively, Ryan. Kingston yep. was my – or Bryce was my NFL guy. Kingston's my college guy. Yep. Offense. I think offense, It's a it's a close – conversation to me between cam williams and cj Carr for the college player i actually think that i would say cam williams is my draft prospect because wide receivers are just becoming more and more important i mean we're seeing five six seven guys every single year and i look at cam and i'm just like that kid is going to be six two probably 205 pounds you know pretty soon in the near future running four four thousand yard receiver like he's just dynamic and i think that his after catch ability his ability to work vertically that is what the nfl really wants to position so i think draft wise i would probably go cam if he's developed properly we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use indeed the better it gets Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Factor has been a great friend of the Driscoll household this month. Not only are we super busy with work and everything going on with Notre Dame football, we're also dealing with a house remodel. And even thinking about cooking stresses me out, which is why I'm so thankful we found Factor. Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals that can be on your plate in minutes. It has literally saved me hours of prep, cooking, and cleaning time during an incredibly busy season for us. And their fresh but and never frozen meals got delivered right to my doorstep, which also saved me plenty of shopping time. On top of that, the flavor is outstanding. Whether it's the chicken taco bowl I had for dinner last night or my personal favorite so far, which is a filet over a mushroom risotto, I'm eating healthy meals but not sacrificing flavor. Treat yourself to high-quality, delicious meals over the holiday. You can choose from over 35 chef-crafted meals that also support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences, whether it's calorie-smart, vegan, keto, protein-plus, and more. 
Head to factormeals.com slash Irish50 and use code Irish50 to get 50% off today. That's code Irish50 at factormeals.com slash Irish50 to get 50% off. Definitely give it a try. We did, and we love it. Got two questions here, Ryan, about Malachi Nelson. One from Jimmy James, one from the worst 2K big men. And they want to know our thoughts on Malachi Nelson going into the portal. I'll just say this. I'm not at all surprised. No. Number one, what did we talk about Malachi last year? That kid can spin the football. But I got serious questions about what he's got here and what he's got here. And and then also, once the moment that USC started making the push for Will Howard, who I think has announced, I believe, earlier today, he is going to USC. Oh, did, he, least, did he officially? Did he do I, I, there's there's people saying it happened. That's the um, weirdest thing in the world. And that'll be the next thing we talk about, too, because I know there's a question about that. But I'm not at all surprised that he jumped on the portal at all. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was sold. Right, he was basically he was recruited to be. You're the replacement for Caleb Williams. That's basically was recruited to be, and now they're going to get a portal guy. And if you're him, you're looking at in in his. Even though I'm not high on Malachi Nelson as a, you know, having the it factor quarterback, he can sling the heck out of the football. But here's the deal: if you're him, and you look at the track record that Lincoln Riley has at starting transfers, what's your guarantee that he doesn't do it again next year? If there's another proven guy on the, you know what I mean? So it's like, I kind of get it in some regard too. And in other regards, you're like, yeah, I saw that coming. Outside of like Nico, I, I think that you could have made an argument that maybe Malachi had the most God-given tools yeah. in the quarterback class last As year. I mean, that kid, I mean, he's 6'3", he's long, he throws an incredible deep ball. I mean, he is a very impressive kid. But, it, I mean, too. If, yeah. yeah, he can move for sure. But Jimmy, I mean... If you would have asked me, and I'm pretty sure someone probably did ask this before the season, who are two quarterbacks in the 2023 class that are most likely to transfer after their freshman year? The answers were then Malachi Nelson and Dante Moore, and they're yes. still now Malachi Nelson and Dante Moore. They, it was yes. always going to yes. happen, man. Yes. He almost, I mean, not, not to put like, we're not going to take the, the you know, the blanket off of the, the, but like he almost decommitted from USC before signing day last year. Like it almost happened. He almost, for one reason and one reason only. That's yeah, it. It was always going to happen, man. Whether it was this offseason or next offseason, Malachi Nelson was not going to finish his career at USC. It just wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Now let's talk about Will Howard to USC. That one I yeah. do not get. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You know what's weird about it is that like I actually kind of like Will Howard as far as like he's a very solid, passable college quarterback, yes. man. Like he's yes. good. He's a good player. He's a good player. Having him come off the bench for K State last year was a big reason they went and won the yeah. Big Twelve title. Did some nice things for him. Yes. He's a big kid. He throws a very solid football. He's relatively accurate. He actually can run a little better than you anticipate. Like he's rock solid college quarterback, man. I actually like Will Howard. But Will Howard, when you ask me, what does a Lincoln Riley quarterback look like? That Will Howard would not be near in that conversation. No, no part of him is a is a Lincoln Riley quarterback. It doesn't make any sense going from Caleb Williams to Will Howard. And again, not as much as a player because yes, it's a downgrade from a player. You're going from a potential first overall. Everyone would have been a downgrade, exactly. Right. But I'm talking about stylistically going from Caleb Williams to Will Howard is weird, guys. Like it's just a weird, weird jump. It's not a player that I would have ever thought that Lincoln, Lincoln Riley would value. I mean, it really right. isn't just stylistically again, not as a player. I think he's a good player, but as a just a style into that offense, I don't think it makes any sense. Yeah. That's and, and it was early. Yeah, it was early. 
it was it wasn't like they got turned down by four or five guys. No, they were out on a plane like the first day that yes. the portal opened or something like that. Yeah. Like I'm like, dude, really? That's the guy? Um it's it's strange. It it also tells us a lot about number one, I think Lincoln Riley's in panic mode, number one. And number two, he clearly doesn't have a lot of faith in Malachi Nelson to be ready to be that guy. I'm just man, I, I just don't get it. Like if if I'm Lincoln Riley, like I would have I mean, because USC has the bag, right? Like they could have just went after Cameron Ward if they wanted to and keep him on the West Coast. Like that's your type of quarterback you like. Like yeah, you like that type guy. of guy. Exactly. Like, exactly. Very strange. I don't get that one. Very strange. It, it now part of me wonders if he's just like he realizes like this is the only justification I can give, and I think you're gonna be on board with me on this. Is this is the only legitimate justification that of why yep. He's like, we need a culture change and I need to go get a, a good tough kid. That's not going to be a prima donna. Yeah. That's not going to be like, that's going to come here and, and do what I ask him to do and play hard and, and, you know, do play the game the right way. And I'm tired of these, you know, I don't, I don't want this kid who's like, just thinks he wants everything handed to him. And, you know, no, I mean, that's the only thing that, that I could look at. And he doesn't want to go to Cameron Ward, who basically is yeah. just, who's the highest bidder. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I think he wanted a kid that was going to come here and bring the right, not that Caleb didn't. I'm talking about replacing Caleb. He just like we need a culture change. That's the only justification that I can come up with. Is he just was looking for a different personality quarterback, and he wants to get back to being a little bit more of a, you know, mentally tough team or whatever. That's the only thing that I can think, and that's pure spin, Ryan. That's pure, yeah. just like what could it possibly be? Because that's he's the never only had a, thing I can think of. He's never had a quarterback like Will Howard. He's never had oh, one. It doesn't ever. mean he can't be successful necessarily, right. but it's just he's never had it, though. It's different, right. you know? Like, it's very different. We'll see. Yep. Yeah, very strange. Very strange. I'm going to read this one, Ryan, because this is for you from Christopher okay. Crosby. Ryan, I'm about a third of my of, of way through my draft grades. I nice. don't see what people are seeing with J.J. McCarthy. I have a third to fourth round grade on him. He's gotten first round consideration. I don't see it. Christopher, you are not alone in the not seeing it department. He is, I keep tweeting about it and I know Michigan fans probably hate me and it's fine, but like, there's a lot of parallels to Zach Wilson. Like there is a lot of parallels to Zach Wilson that we're just ignoring here right now for some people. Look, why is JJ McCarthy being propped up to being a draft prospect? He's a six foot two plus white kid as a pretty good athlete as a strong arm. And he's a winner. Mm-hmm. Just wins, man. Wins. This, this, this yeah. thing that we're talking about. Just he's wins. so good, Ryan, yeah. that he doesn't have to throw a single pass on the second half to win a road game against Penn State. That's how wonderfully but, talented he is. But according to some draft analysts, oh, that, that, oh it's, it's you know, it's uh, it's Ohio State's fault. Oh, yeah, it's Ohio State's fault. Sure, sure it is. It's it's an, or Penn State's fault. Excuse me, it's Penn right. State's fault. Guys, you didn't trust the guy that you're propping up as a first round pick as a top 10 pick to throw a pass in the second half. You're telling me that he threw eight passes all day. I don't see it, man. I think that he has a really nice overall skill set of talents. And I think there's a lot that you could develop there, but to be a top 10 projected draft pick or a top 20 projected draft pick, you need a lot more than just that, man. You need a lot more than that. Like there's, because I even think of it like this, Brian, like I don't, I think he's a good physical talent, but I don't think he's like this outrageous physical talent where I'm like, Oh my God, like Josh Allen, right? 
Josh Allen, people thought was overdrafted, and for and I get it because I actually thought he was too because it's like he wasn't a very productive at Wyoming, and I get that, right? But Josh Allen was still 6'5", 240 pounds with a rocket and could run. It's like I still get that, right? I still get that. J.J. McCarthy, I, I don't get that because I think he's a good talent. I don't think he's a great talent. I mean, right. I, I think the, wor- the worst thing that could have happened was when people kept asking Harbaugh about it and he compared him to Andrew Luck. And it was like, yeah. oh, good Lord. There it is. That's when it started. That's when it happens. And yeah. Yeah, I um, I, I like your part about it. he's got a pretty big arm and he's very athletic, but he's yeah. also kind of a skinny kid. You know, that, that, that doesn't profile. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't see, it. I, I don't think he's overly accurate to be completely honest with you. I I've never felt that. I'll say this. That, that offense he, is very advantageous for just yes. being efficient. Yes. Being efficient. I do think he has playmaking potential, yep. but I don't think they've allowed him to show that nearly enough. Like, yep. you know, like, yeah, I'm with you on that. Ryan. Uh, there's another question down here. That's kind of related to this, not about him directly, but I did want to ask this. Um, from Conrad. Conrad asks, recruiting process question. If you don't watch film of the top player in the country, how can you definitively say a player is a top 100 to top 150 caliber player? Because it's in a vacuum. It's yeah. caliber, right? So here, it's like the NFL draft, Ryan. There are guys that will get drafted in certain draft classes in the first round who are not typical first round talents, but it's there's only 15 guys that are first round caliber players. Somebody's got to go. There are also years where guys with first-round talent who are first-round caliber get picked in round two because it's a credibly deep class. And then there's always going to be the the need picks and things like that. It's the same thing. I've watched tens of thousands of high school football players at the least, at the very least, from – I mean, it's probably hundreds of thousands, I mean, if you think about it, from my time coaching and all this stuff – you look at a guy and be like, that's a top 100 caliber player. Now, in some years, that top 100 guy may rank in the top 50 because it's a thinner class. In other years, that top 100 guy might rank top 115 to 120 because it's a loaded class. And so I don't need to look at everyone else in the country to look at a kid and say, I've been doing this a long time. Top 100 receivers have a look like this. Top 50 receivers look like that and top 20 receivers look like Michael Floyd. Right. Right. Like you've been doing a long time and that's why I say caliber Yeah. because again, and and, and it's a range. It's like, you know, top hundred guy is like kind of 70 to 110, 120 as far as where he would rank. A top 50 guy is kind of more like 30, 45, 35 to 40 to 60 kind of thing is where he would actually fall in a ranking you can be the number 60 player in a class and actually be a top 50 caliber guy in my opinion because it's a deeper year and other years a guy that's probably around 50 in one class is going to be top 30 in the next class because it's a deeper it's it's not as deep of a class and then there's a grade system that i've like over time evolved to kind of say you fall in this range, that's where you know that that's your grade. So there's a gut part of it, but it's more more so comes down to the grading system that I've created uh, and, and altered over the years. So you can absolutely look at a guy and say he's in that type of player. When I watch when I watch Bryce Young as a junior, I see a kid with a lot of ceiling, but you know not a top two fifty kid, right? Yep. A lot of tools. And you watch Bryce Young as a senior. I don't have to watch anybody else in college football or high school football to know. 
that's a different kid. Yep. That's the kind of kid that you normally see ranked in the top hundred or top 50, whatever the, the case may be. Yep. And now that doesn't mean he is, he is the number 47 player in the country based off my test. And mm-hmm. no, you got to watch everybody else to know exactly where he would be. Is right. he 46? Is he 59? Is he 73? You'd yep. have to watch the rest of the class, but Ryan, same thing. You, you can say that's a, that guy, that guy may go in the top 10 in the NFL draft at quarterback, but that's not a top 10 NFL quarterback. Well, like that's, there's, yeah. Right. There's, there's a big difference between putting a grade on a player and then stacking a big board. Like right. there's much different things. Like I, I watched a defensive end that won't even be draft eligible in the big 10 until next year. And I watch him. And I'm like, that's a first round pick. Like yeah. I don't need to watch him anymore. Like that's a first round pick. And right. I, is he going to be the number? Is he going to be a top 10 player in the 2025 NFL draft? Is he going to yeah. be a top? 25 player i mean who knows based upon how the how everything's stacked around him but there's a much difference between though evaluating in a vacuum and then yeah. stacking a big much so Con- conrad thank you for this question because this is good a question. really good question really good question that helps give some context to what we mean by that so thank you for asking that he also had this question which is something that i have thought of uh when talking about the new strength coach Said I read from a Broncos beat writer that when Landau took over the Broncos strength program, they had an increase in injuries year over year in comparison to his predecessor. Is Landau to blame? I actually read the same report. Yeah. So, so one thing that I did not like about that report, Ryan, is they only looked at the year before he got there. Like, if you're going to give me a five year context, then I need, like, whenever I've talked about the job that Mike Elko did at Duke. I don't ever say what their record was the year before because that like, it's like saying if Brian Kelly got fired in 2016, you know, and this guy took over a Notre Dame program at four and eight. Yeah. But they were in the Fiesta bowl the year before that. Right. Like let's not act like, you know what I mean? But you say they won 10 games in the three years prior puts a lot more context into the nine wins they won in his first year. Right. And that's the thing is like, so I just felt like that was a little bit, I would have liked to have seen more data pre to compare as opposed to just one year. And, and so that's it. But the other, the, there was another article that, that, that was linked in that in there that also talked about, you have to consider the fact that if you look at a lot of the signings that the Broncos had during his, during that tenure, they signed a lot of guys in free agency and drafted a lot of guys that had injury histories. Yeah. And those were a lot of the guys that were getting injured. So you're 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 moving on from this player who left and didn't have an injury history and replacing him with Ronald Darby, who has a long checkered injury history. Then you're like, wow, you're all of a sudden having these injuries at cornerback. What gives? Well, you signed a guy that has a checkered injury history. Yeah. And so it, it I read the article. It's concerning, but it was just it, it was lacking context. I thought the article he linked to provided a lot more context to where you're like, you know, that's concerning, but okay, that makes sense. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And so, and then somebody else sent me a tweet that the the Broncos, uh, one of their beat writers put out that the NFL, I guess some company or organization does like this, uh, they'll interview players or, or poll players and they'll like tally grades for, for NFL teams. And it's like, facilities, how they treat families, all these other things. And then one of them was strength conditioning. And that last year, the Broncos, according to their own players, graded out higher than anybody else. They got an A minus. So like you have these two different views on it. And, you know, I'm not going to just say I'm going to take the players because for all I know, the players for the Broncos view strength conditioning is like, 
this guy doesn't push us at all. He just leaves us alone. I love that. It's wonderful. I don't know what the context is for that grade, but it is something you look at and say, boy, I can't ignore that either. You know, there's a lot here. And because he doesn't have a longer track record, because he was in the private industry before that, it's hard to evaluate how that five-year stretch stacks up against, you know, like, like Harry, he stand as an O-line coach when he got hired from Tennessee, there was a lot of, t- Oh, he's terrible. He's just, we didn't want him. And it's like, yeah, but that guy's been a pretty good freaking coach for a long time. Maybe you were the problem. And then right. he comes to Notre Dame and he's phenomenal, right? Like maybe Tennessee was the problem. Maybe the head coach was the problem. I mean, maybe. you know, Denver had four coaches in five years during his tenure. And most of them were terrible coaches. You know, and so how does that play into do the injuries? Like, here's the thing. If my practice schedule, the the strength coach can give me all the guidance he wants. I got to schedule practice the way that I'm going to schedule practice. Yep. This coach is like the strength coach. Like, hey, man, like we need to back off this guy because he's he's, you know, doing these tests like he's losing strength and he's got this injury. We can't push him. And then he goes out there and, you know, coach says, F you. I'm going to do what I want to do. And then the guy goes out there and gets injured. It's like, okay, strength coach, you're a problem. Like, well, I tried to tell him. They needed to back off at this point in time. They didn't back off. There's so much of that that I don't know. Right. It could, but it is concerning when you see that the Broncos rank so high year after year and in in uh, unique injuries. That that's that's I mean it's concerning. Sure. It's just there's just a lot more context that's going to make me say I'm not sure that I that I'm only going to listen to that because there's some right. other things that factor into it that make the NFL unique. You could go add five free agents that are all injury prone, they all get hurt again. And all of a sudden those percentages that you have on a 53 man roster skyrocket. Yeah. Yeah. That's 10% of your roster right there that you just signed injury prone players and then drafted two more. And all of a sudden they get hurt again. And you're like, cause you'll, you, you'll admit that Ryan more often than not injury prone players don't just stop being injury prone. Oh yeah. But like, rarely, it comes to rarely ever. <laughs> it's, it's not like a guy that tore his ACL. I'm talking about a guy that's constantly battling with shoulder problems or hamstring. Yeah. I mean, those guys just kind of tend to always have those problems, right? Always, yeah. Um, you know, and and so that just doesn't change just because you went to a new team. Sometimes what, it does, but that, more often not, it doesn't. That's why, like, careers like Adrian Peterson are always so weird because it's like that guy could not stay healthy his right. last two years at, at Oklahoma and then right. going into that draft process, and all of a sudden he's – Aside right. from one knee injury, like he's pretty healthy his entire career. <laughs> he lasted right. a long time. Like it just and that's going happen. from like place to place, right? Like right. one level to another level. That that right. happens, I would argue, a little bit more. Like Drew Tranquil was a guy yeah. that had two devastating, and he's been very healthy in the NFL for the most part, right? Yep. Uh, but once you're in the NFL and your body stops growing and developing, because that's part of it too. Adrian Peterson was a kind of a skinnier kid. I mean, he he really blew up when he got to call at the NFL because he he was a, went from. 18 year old freshman to 23, 24, 25 year old grown man. Yeah. Um, and then there's other guys that are big guys that just can't stay healthy, big fella, but just can't stay healthy. So it, there's just a lot of context that goes into it. And I just don't know enough about him either way no. to say I'm supporting this view of him or I'm supporting this view of him. I think I can say this it's a risky hire. Yep. But hopefully it pays off. That's what I'll say about it. Apparently has some people's attentions, you know, because there's a lot of people yeah. that want to work with him. A lot of players, right? So, now, yeah, we'll see. That that as someone said to me, there's a whole lot of difference between training ten dudes specifically and training yeah. a whole team over the course of an entire season. Hundred percent. But fair. as you said, guys who have millions of dollars, tens, hundreds, sometimes tens and hundreds of millions of dollars on the line, are yeah. trusting him to be their personal trainers in the off season. Yep. 
as opposed to somebody else. That that can't be ignored either, Ryan. Can't that be. can't be ignored either. So, and, and Von Miller, someone who had some injury stuff early in his career, that's become a much more became a much more durable player until he got old. Yeah. Right. So you know that that's something to look at too. Next one's from Big Licks Burner. Leaks Burner. Leaks Leaks. Yeah. Leaks. Ryan and Brian, not asking for intel, but if you were Marcus Freeman, what direction would you take the OC search? Who would be your personal top choice? I don't have a personal top choice yet. My, my um, guy's at Penn State right now. Right. So. Uh, yours isn't <laughs> an option. I'll tell you who I definitely hope it's not. I hope it's not Gino Gadouli. And I don't have anything personal against Gino Gadouli. I think he's a nice guy. I've only had one ever, ever had one conversation with him. I've just... He's been an OC before. He was the primary play caller. We know it was his offense, and it wasn't very good. And it was really bad, actually. They went nine games, I think nine games, without getting to 30 points in the group in, in the AAC. Like that's that's not good. Yeah. And 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 it's not like I mean, they didn't have elite talent, but they didn't have that bad of talent either, Ryan. Sure. I mean, it sure. just I mean, they finished eighth in the AAC in scoring that year. And, um, yeah, it was, it was, um, Ben, Ben Bryant, man, former, yeah, they were ninth ben actually. Bryant. Again, when you take out FCS opponents, they were ninth and they out of 11 and they scored 26 points a game. Scoring yeah. 26 points a game in the AAC is not, it's not good. Yeah. That's not good. I, I just need a guy that's creative and scheme driven, man. Yeah. I need it. But scheme driven in the sense of let's make the scheme fit what we have on this roster right. and do that type of thing. So there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of names out yeah. there. Like, I mean, there and, really and is. And that's why I'm hesitant to say who's my guy. Because yeah. what happens is we give our three, our top three of who we know, and then everybody's like jumps onto that, and then they hire somebody yeah. else. And it's like, well, they didn't get a good coach. You know, it's like, well, yeah, they did. That's just not my, may not have been a guy I was overly familiar with. Right. And so I'll, I'll have something at some point in time where, you know, I, I just, I prefer to evaluate the names we know as opposed to who my favorites are just because of, I, I've learned over the years how that can be used to create negativity about the ultimate pick. And I'd rather just not be that. So we'll evaluate the names that are out there, but here, here's like, Ryan, you nailed it. There's a lot of good football coaches out there. That can take the talent at Notre Dame and win with it. There's not just two or three. And if you don't get one of those two or three, you're screwed. Uh, assistance you know? as well. I mean, right. it doesn't have to just be a current OC either. Like there's some great young quarterback coaches that are probably ready to be that guy. You know? Joe Brady, so, perfect yeah. example. Joe Brady never been a nothing but a position coach in the NFL, uh, an assistant yep. position coach in the NFL, but he had the mind for it and yep. he brought value to what they did. It doesn't so. hurt doesn't hurt being around Sean Payton for a couple of years either. It doesn't. So. It doesn't, but he <laughs> groomed and he learned exactly, yep. Ryan, and that's kind of what you look for. I I I would hope that and this is something a buddy of mine. This is I have a friend of mine who is very much against Jared Parker. And one of his big beefs was there's no pedigree there. Other than like 2 years under David Cutcliffe, there was no real pedigree there, which is very fair. I mean, he was yeah. with Ricky Rain for a year at Penn State and it's like, okay, that's you know, they were okay that year under Ricky rain. I, I like Ricky rain. I mean, he's, he's a nice, but it's not like working with Sean Payton for a couple years or someone that's coming from the, I mean, think of all the Mike Leach guys that went on to become yeah. coaches or the Shanahan disciples right now. Like, Those aren't coincidences, yeah. coincidences, Ryan. Yeah. And, and, in and in my age group, so like you're, you're a little like, you're looking at the, that, like mm-hmm. 
Shanahan was part of the the Mike Holmgren, Bill yep. Walsh, you John know, Gruden. type right. But the, yeah. no, John Gruden was a byproduct of that older of Holmgren, yeah. right? Holmgren and Bill, yep. like so. The NFL went through this period where all these guys had ties to either Bill Walsh or Mike Holmgren, mm-hmm. right? You know, the Packers yeah. and the Niners, and yep. and we're seeing that now with like you know in the NFL with the Shanahan tree. I mean, the the offensive staff that Mike Shanahan had one of those years at at it was like that's absurd. You should have saw the the Mike Mike Holmgren had one of those too. They had like Andy yes. Reid and Steve Mariucci, John and Gruden. John Gruden. Yes, yeah. it was yeah. nuts. Yeah. Um. And and so that matters. I mean, because you not you have to have the chops, right? But but you also need somebody that can mold you and and and, and I know I didn't have that grow as a coach. I mean, I, I had to kind of because I just never had that as a player. I never had that, and and so I know the value in that because I didn't get as much of that. Right. So I had to kind of find mentors that didn't know who I was. I had to study them. That's who my mentors were. But there was a belief system that you kind of develop, grow and develop in. And it's not a coincidence that some of the best minds came from other great minds. You know, it's not a coincidence that 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 so many guys that are successful now have ties to Mike Leach, either as players or coaches. It's not yeah. a coincidence at all. Sure. And because he was a brilliant offensive mind. No doubt. And um, you you hope that there's at least something along those lines with that at Notre Dame. Yeah. So here's an here's a really interesting one. Johnny once said, "Who is the most physically talented quarterback that you've ever seen in college football? Most talented quarterback that I've ever seen at the college football. That's um, that is a really interesting because you because you know are you just talking pure physical gifts? I mean, man." Pure- Pure physical gifts. I mean, I mean, a couple names that popped in my mind were Cam Newton popped in my yeah. mind is one year at Auburn. Like that was ridiculously yeah. athletic and talented. Lamar Jackson is is one it's athletically yeah, he was for insanely sure. Insanely talented. Yeah. Um. Andrew Luck. I mean, Andrew yeah. Luck was silly man. Like he yeah. ran four six seven at like two hundred thirty five pounds, and yeah, his arm wasn't elite, but like it was a sh- pretty yeah. strong arm. Like Andrew Luck was sick. Yeah. Oh man. And, and there's so many different types. Like you yeah. know, physically gifted, like physically talented. Like you know, Woody Dancer was really physically talented for that system that Rich Rod ran at Clemson back in the day. Yeah. You know, he was one of the best. Like old school spread talented. I mean, it's the first 2000, 1000 guy in college football history to throw for two and rush for one. Yeah. Um, you know, so Jamel Holloway was incredibly physically gifted, but it was a triple option offense. I mean, Tony Rice was incredibly physically gifted for that offense. It's just such a different era. Um, I mean, Caleb Williams is in my, as far as, far as his physical gifts is in my top 10 that I've ever seen as a thrower. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. trying to, I mean, I mean, to me, like Josh Allen was not that. I mean, you could see Josh Allen had, had great physical tools, but like I wouldn't put him in that category at why. I mean, he was one of those guys that really took a jump in college or in the pros. You call, you could see it in, from Pat Mahomes. That's why I was a big Pat Mahomes guy his last year. Trevor Lawrence is in the conversation for me. He was very physically gifted in college. Yeah. You know who was really arm. talented, but he wasn't like he was – he was a very developmental guy, but Jake Locker was a really talented yes. dude, man. He was stupid yeah, talented. He was <laughs> athletic. He just never seemed comfortable throwing the football. No. 
But, no, but he had I a mean, rifle when he let it loose, man. <laughs> he was very – wasn't he like a minor league baseball – wasn't he drafted in the major league baseball too? I, something I like wouldn't that? be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, he was yeah. very – he was a freaky physical talent. He just, just wasn't a natural quarterback. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, there's Lawrence. a lot of Trevor, guys like that. Trevor Lawrence more recently. Like, I mean – Carson was, Palmer was very physically gifted in college. Yeah. He had yeah. tremendous – he wasn't the athlete, but as far as just a drop back thrower – he was in that conversation. You know who had a rifle? Who's actually uh, the quarterback of my favorite team? Matt Stafford at Georgia had yes. a cannon for an arm. Man, that thing nobody had the arm. Kyle Buller had though. Say sarcastically. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, honestly, if you talk about just physically gifted, Jamarcus Russell was an incredibly physically gifted quarterback. He just had uh, he nothing up here. He could throw the ball a mile, man. Nothing up here. He had some good wide receivers too back then, oh, man. Yeah. Dwayne, Dwayne, Dwayne Bo and Buster yeah, Davis and those guys. Yeah, yep. they were good. Who was the other good. kid they had? They had a sh- another short kid on that on that team as Tr- well. Trenton Holiday. Yeah, uh, right? no the fast kid. No, um, let me see LSU 2006 football stats. I mean, there was another kid. You said the two that I'm um, that that Craig Craig Davis, Craig Buster Davis. They had early do set. Early do set. Yeah, yep, was he tall? Cool. Wasn't early tall? I didn't know. think so. I thought he oh, was really? like six foot. Oh, so okay, maybe let me, let me go look. You might be right. Uh, you could be right, Ryan. You made me. You made me think of like super small. That's why my mind went to Trenton Holiday. It was like five yeah. five. <laughs> yeah, he was six foot. Oh okay. no, I wasn't like thinking like no. I'm like I'm thinking like Justin Jefferson and you know those. Yeah, yeah. no, he's six, six foot. This episode of the Irish Breakdown Podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. It's the holiday season, which means it's a time for giving. Giving to our community is important. There's always joy in giving to our friends and family. We also need to ensure that we are properly focused on giving to ourselves and making sure we're taking steps to give ourselves the tools we need to get through the tough times. The holidays are a perfect time for that. It's important to learn positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. There are ways to make sure you have the tools to be the best version of yourself. And that's not something that's only for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. In the season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Irish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com, H-E-L-P dot com slash irish this is the best time of the year it's bowl season and christmas is right around the corner so whether you're looking for tickets to the sun bowl to watch notre dame take on oregon state or looking for tickets to a christmas concert or comedy show or just looking for a great last minute gift game time is the place for you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. 
Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the GameTime app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. That's GameTime.co. Andy Milton fan, what's up, Nathan? How does a Chancey Stuckey hire happen at a place like Notre Dame? I believe he was a Tommy Reese hire. What was he? What, what, what was he thinking? Hashtag, you know it, but I will say it again. BK sucks. <laughs> yep. <he does laughs> I mean, look, it makes sense why it happened, Ryan. But look, I went and found the old Intel piece that we had when he got when he be, when he was the guy, and I said, look, this is a very risky hire and I don't like it, but here's why it happened. And then you, John McNulty coached him in the NFL. He was a guy that Dabo Sweeney spoke for at the time. I mean, even now Dabo Sweeney is one of the best coaches in college football. He vouched for the guy and his ability. John McNulty coached him. He could vouch for it. He pushed it on to Tommy. Tommy said, that's the guy that I want because I trust yeah. John McNulty. That's how it happens. It's it's a who you know business. And that was very much a who you know person. Sure. McNulty knows me and Dabo vouches for me. It's simple as that. Sure. Um, I don't like it. It's He wasn't our pick. But we we said, hey, look, hopefully he, he did well in his one-year Baylor. Okay. I mean, he they got better in his one-year Baylor. You you wished it would have gone better. I didn't like the hire, but you under I mean you could see, okay, I, I get it. Hopefully it works out. It didn't work out. Yeah. But uh, but this is why you prefer, and this is a little bit of my issue with the strength coach, is doesn't have a real long track record of and he has I don't know of any track record coaching doing this in college. And so there's always risk when you make those kind of moves. Whereas, like when I look at Mike Brown, I can study the last five years of film and say, okay, I got a pretty good idea of what this guy can do. Played the position. You know, and that that's kind of where you're at. Yep. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, I mean, Nathan, I, I look, hindsight is always 2020. The funny part about the Chancey Stucky thing was is that I remember at the time we were like, you know, he did a pretty good job at Baylor his one year, you know, like maybe this guy can coach, but then we were like, But we're recruiting, we have no idea what no he idea. is, right? And then, <laughs> and then he was good at recruiting. It was like, huh, that was very interesting yeah. how that kind of figured itself yeah. out. It was weird, strange. No doubt. Get down here, get some more. Here's one from Andres Figueroa. Andres says, is there a scenario in which Jeremiah Love gets more some reps at wide receiver during the bowl game or next season? I would be very excited to see him play a Debo Samuel, Jaden Reed role at Notre Dame and at the next level. I would like to see him do that at times as part of 21 personnel, but I, I, I don't want to see him play receiver. And they don't need him to play receiver in a bowl game. They're 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 fine at receiver for the bowl game. Again, Ryan, six scholarship receivers that are all healthy is fine for one game. Fine. You can't do that for an entire season, but for one game, you're fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you'd be foolish not to do that to some degree when you're when you're as loaded at running back as Notre Dame is. You'd be kind of it's like you said, be have some creativity. It's, we talked about this the other day, Ryan. Have some creativity. Hey, I got some. I got some dudes at running back. So how can I use them as a rotation? But how can I use them together? And Jeremiah is a guy that can bring some of that value. Do I want that to be a yep. full time role for him? No, I do not. It's just a little no. change up to keep you honest. That's really what it yep. comes. Oh, and to get him the ball. Uh, but no, I don't want to see him be that on a full time role because I think he can be a really good running back at Notre Dame. Like he I, is, he is a running back who can do other things as opposed yes. to just an athlete that can also play running back. 
I think he could be a star, man. Like, I think as a running back, I'm talking right. about. Like, if you also want to put him in the slot at times and throw some throw some bubbles to him and run a jet occasionally, like, cool, man. I could do that type of stuff. But, like, I'm giving that kid as many touches as possible. I'm not limiting his touches. That's what, what moving right. wide receiver does. You limit his touches a little bit. I don't like that at all. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Absolutely yep. not. So, I like where your head's at. It's just not a full-time move that I would make. Agreed. Here, here, we talked about this one, Ryan. We, we talked. Part one was about Will Howard. This is the question. Jesse's was the one I was referring to earlier. We already answered okay. that. But his okay. second one, I thought, was interesting because I, I want to know. I'm, I'm curious if you and I have the same opinion on this. Out of all the defensive ends currently on Notre Dame's roster, who has the highest upside? So I'm not including 2024 recruits right. in this. Right, I'm talking about Correct. right this second current roster. And I don't know that the answer would change necessarily for me. Maybe. Yeah, for me it's Bubakar number one, and then Josh Burnham number two. That's where I'm at. I think it's Bubakar for me too. I, like again, I I know I'm clinging to one play, but that sack that he had against USC, I haven't seen a Notre Dame player look like that in a few years, man. Like that's it's special. But Ryan, it's not just the one play though. I mean, what was the debate you and I had on signing day a year ago? Who has the highest upside? Is it him or our Momukum? I mean, he's yeah. always been a guy that we viewed as a really high ceiling player. And, and so it, it's not like, like what I would say is like, if we thought he was like not a very good recruit and he comes in as like that yeah. one good play, it's like, eh. but it, that one play kind of confirms what we saw in high school. Well, that actually showed me a little bit something that I didn't see in high school right. though. I, I didn't think he was, I didn't think he was going to be that bendy, yeah. you know, like he bent that outside track well, and I'm like, Oh, and one, like <laughs> how they used him in high school. I and mean, he was playing yeah. more inside in high school. And then the injury history and stuff like that. So, so, but you know, he was always my number one. I think he, I had him one and you had Armel one. And I had Armel yep. two and you had Armel and Bubakar two. I mean, but it was yep. a debate. It was like, I didn't think your position was stupid. You didn't think, I hope yep. you didn't think mine was stupid. It was like, okay. I had, I had him at two. So, right. It stupid, right. right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, but him and Burnham to me are the two most high ceiling guys on the current roster defensive end. And, and to me, there's a gap after that between the next one. Like it's it's Bubakar, Josh, and then there's a little bit more of a gap for me. I, I look forward to the conversation next year after Bryce Young is also and Logan Thomas too. gets yeah. to Notre Dame and Cole. I mean, yeah, there, there there's a lot of talent there. They just got to develop it. There's no doubt about it. Good question, Jesse. Ben Tarnowski, possible offensive coordinator names: Joe Moorhead. Talked about him before. Mm-hmm. Mike Denbrock, Andy Ludwig, Jamarcus Shepard. Just hired Brown, so not sure because of the wide receiver capacity. Um, coaching thing there alex atkins and maybe chip long so uh chip long is not going to happen and yeah. and i'm not happy about that but it is what it is there's just too many people at notre dame that are holding on to some grudges about some stuff that happened when he was here several years ago uh so that's not going to happen and, and nor should it honestly I mean, he was an analyst at louisville last year i mean you got to think there's more less uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Ryan? Um, controversial figures. Now, I don't agree with the controversy that was around Chip. I, I like Chip. I think Chip would do an excellent job at Notre Dame. Yep. Uh, but it's just not going to happen. So, so, so don't take my saying this is what it is as this is what I think it should be. Right? Sure. You, you guys know my stance on that. Joe Moorhead, I'm kind of over that one. He was the right, should have been the right hire in 2019. But he yeah. clearly has head coaching aspirations. And we knew that at the time. At the time, it was like, look, let Tommy learn under him for a year or two. Then Tommy can take over. That was kind of my – my because you knew he wasn't going to be very long. And, and I, you know, Andy Ludwig, I, 
I mean, if they if he was open, I would do it. But I just think that ship has sailed. Yeah, it's an awkward conversation. I, yeah, at this point now, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I think that ship has sailed. The timing was there last year. It's not there now. Mike Denbrock, I would certainly take a look at Mike Denbrock yes. with what he did this year. Yes. Um, great dude, strong recruiter, really good football coach. He, I mean, you know, we talk about how Jared Parker had, you know, the the one of the best single season yards per. Well, you know who had who coordinated the best ever yards per play offense in Notre Dame history? Mike Denbrock. Sure. And, uh, you know, and that was with a crap strength conditioning program and a, a mediocre running backs coach and a quarterbacks coach that I think is was not very good, to be honest with you. Uh, and he did that with his backup quarterback, his backup running back, a true freshman backup tight end the whole year. Yep. I mean, by the end of the second game of the year, they lost Torian Folston, Malik Zaire, and Durham Smythe. Right. Durham Smythe was a fourth round NFL draft pick and is still playing in the NFL right now. Like that, that's a lot of NFL talent to lose in, in two games. Right. And he yep. still went out and did what he did. And yep. and yeah, Will Fuller, his next two receivers were undrafted and never played a down in the NFL. Yep. Right. So that guy did some really good things. Uh, I mean, I don't think Denbrock because like Denbrock just signed a, an extension, right? But right. like, I don't think it's like a crazy amount of money, so. right? Like, no. it's, I I, don't know I'd make a run at him. Sure. Uh, Jamarcus Shepard, I don't think makes a lot of sense. I'm actually looking up his resume now, Ryan. I don't. I think he's only ever been a receivers coach. I'm looking at it yeah. now. That could be like, yeah, he's only ever been a receivers coach. He played receiver. He's only ever coached receivers. That doesn't you make. Have, you would have a log jam there. Who's coaching weird, quarterbacks? Yeah. Like yeah. That, that. That's my question. You know, and I, I don't. I don't know that Mike Brown. I think Mike Brown played quarterback in like high school. Well, who's playing? T- who's coaching tight ends? Right? Yeah. Is the I mean, convers- yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, okay. Yeah, because I get you're gonna have you could sub Geno. I mean, yeah. you're gonna move Mike. Mike Brown's not coming to coach. So now you could say Jamarcus could coach tight ends, and since maybe. he's gonna be the OC now, and, and maybe that would be it. But here, here's my big issue with Jamarcus Shepard. Yep. And and I'm a big. I mean, Ryan, he was the guy that I wanted as my as the receivers coach last year. You know that that was my one A guy. But this has always been my little bit of a hang up with him as an OC. That guy's never coaching an offense that ran the football ever. I mean, he's at Western Kentucky, he's at Purdue, he's at Washington State, and then this. I mean, yes, they could run the ball, and I think you made this point. And it was it you that made this point in tweet or or a post on the board about Washington, is that Washington could run it when they wanted to, they just maybe didn't. Not sure, not sure. maybe. You know, and and um, I, you can't be at Notre Dame and, and run Mike Leach. I mean, Washington this year is a playoff team averaging 125 rushing yards a game. It's no, right. no. Right. Uh, so I don't know that that would make a ton of sense. Now, would I rather have that than Gino Gadouli? Yeah, probably. You know, because then then you can say, hey, Marcus, Jamarcus, we love your past stuff, but we need you to we need you to mold that into what we do running the football. OK, fine. Sure. But but, uh, you know, because there's air raid teams. That, I mean, Lincoln Riley's first three offenses at Oklahoma ran the crap out of the football. Ryan is an air raid offense. And and even in years where they didn't have a quarterback that ran. I mean, Baker could run, but he was like three to five hundred yards rushing. It wasn't like with Jalen and Kyler, you know, and so uh, but but that's not that's just not the tree that Jamarcus Shepard came from. Alex Atkins is an interesting one, Ryan, but he's an offensive line coach. Yeah. I don't know if he's ever coached anything other than offensive right. line either, right? You know, so. so, yeah. So, I mean, could he coach tight ends? Of course he could. Sure. Blocking but, technique especially. Yeah. 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 But I don't I don't know that that would be – that would be the move that I would – 
be in love with, to be honest with you. Um, I just don't know how good the fit is. And, and, and Florida State was pretty good on offense this year, but I'll be honest, I didn't love how consistent – they were very inconsistent on offense this year with some really good talent. And so I actually think he did a little bit better job last year than he did this year. Just my my two cents of, of watching Florida State this year. Now, the part of that's too is they had a lot of injuries on offense this year. Yeah, you know the receivers and and they they lost some offensive linemen. So I mean, there, there's context to that. I just don't know that, that does he bring the stuff we talk about. Does he bring the creativity, the innovativeness? I you know I'm curious about that because because here's why. I get it. I talk about pedigree and pedigree is great, but I also like there's a, a hesitation I have sometimes with like with Garrett Riley. Loved what we saw at TCU last year, but how much of that was Sonny Dykes and how much of that was Garrett Riley? You know, how much of what we see from Alex Atkins is is from a creativity standpoint is him and how much of it is Mike Norvell, who was a pretty good offensive coordinator in his day as well. So those are those are things that you look at. None of those guys to me are slam dunks. Um but I mean, Alex Atkins is a very intriguing, a very intriguing name as well. As is Den- Mike, Mike Denbrock might be a slam dunk. Yeah. He might be a slam dunk. Yeah. Well, my only thing there is just his age. That's sure. All. But the part of it is like what you, you know, he's not going to be looking for a head coaching job. Like I could see Mike Denbrock come here and if he, if he's enjoying himself, be like, yeah, I'm not going anywhere else. You know, now I don't know if Mrs. Denbrock's going to want to move back to this area. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, who knows? She might be sick of Notre Dame in, 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 uh, in Ohio. She lived in the Midwest for a while. He was at Indiana State in 09. It was at Notre Dame until 2016, and then was in Cincinnati for the next four years. So she may like the, she may like the warm weather. Who knows? But, uh, you know, but again, you're getting a high-character guy too, right? He's not just a good football coach. Yeah. He's a high-character guy. So yeah, that'd be there. And there's a couple other names that I'm, that I'm, you know, we've heard a couple names, Brian, that we're looking into that we won't put out there just yet, but you know, one of them is very intriguing to me. I'm going to be doing a lot of film study tonight on him. Another name that somebody threw at me would not have me as excited about it. And um, yeah, it's going to be, it, this is a big, it's, this is a big off season for me. I mean, you're, you got your strength coach. I don't know how yeah. that, and we'll see. And now you got to hire a new OC. I mean, this, yeah. How, my optimism for next year is going to be determined over the next three, four weeks. I mean, that's what it boils down. Yeah, it's going to be your third offensive offensive coordinator in three years. Like at some point, you need to find stability and effe- effectiveness. <laughs> so it needs to happen this offseason, man. which leads credence to the potential of. Because here's my issue: you want to know my biggest issue with Alex Atkins? I could see him coming to Notre Dame next year, doing well, and being and leaving for head coaching job. Like there's some other guys that, that we look at that I have that same fear. Here's the deal with Mike Denbrock. If Mike Denbrock comes to Notre Dame, I mean, he's not going. Probably not going anywhere. Yeah, I don't think he's interested in leaving LSU. I don't. But if there was a job that I think he would consider, I think Notre Dame is one that he would consider leaving for. Sure. I think he's pretty happy where he's at. You know what I mean? And now we'll see. You know, maybe he maybe he'd want to take that job. But if he took the job in Notre Dame, you kind of feel like doesn't really plan on going anywhere. That could be that would be one of the biggest checks in Mike Denbrock's box compared to some other guys that you and I both like. Same thing with Jamarcus Shepard. Jamarcus Shepard comes into Notre Dame and does well. He's gonna be a head football coach. You know, like Andy Ludwig to me is a guy that's not a head football coach, but he's a he's a bit of a drifter. He's just kind of always moving. He's just never like really been anywhere for a long period of time. And you just wonder if he can be happy somewhere. You know what I mean? Like he just kind of is one of those guys that seems to like to move. I don't yep. know. I just know that it can't be 
either of the two guys you have on staff. You know, it yeah. just that's what it boils down to for me. It's gonna be interesting. Irish Gordy and I, what's up, IGK? What is the best way to measure offensive line production? When will pancakes be measured stat like sacks? I hope never. I mean, that that would be just... Oh, I would love yeah. it. I would love it. It should never be an official stat. It, it's a subjective thing to me. They, but they do that in high school sometimes. Yeah, it, it really comes down to, for me... I mean, and if you were going to have a recruiting class based on, on pancakes, Ryan, that 1A, 1B thing earlier is a no-brainer because last year's offensive line class would have led the nation in pancakes by a mile. It was absurd because Christopher Tarek had a bunch of them as well. But anyway... Uh, to me, O-line production is, is it comes down to there's several stats. There's the, the raw stats, you know, rushing yards, sacks allowed, total offense, efficiency, you know, yards per play, yards per carry, that kind of stuff. But there's some other analytical stuff that I that I that I tend to that can be good if you use it correctly. You know, when I'm when I'm breaking down an offensive line that's that's effective, is is there a I don't know if it's a stat, but like I see a group of guys that play well together, they play with good timing, they get off combo blocks at the right time. You know, everybody's just kind of work. I've said it before, Ryan, and it's the best way I can describe it. A great offensive line is like a symphony where it's like you've got these moving parts. And there's a lot going on, but man, it's just all just like, man, one harmonious thing working together to create something beautiful. You know what I mean? And, and that's how you evaluate it. And it, it, are you consistent? Are you getting a movement? Are you getting a push? So like, if here's the line of scrimmage and I've got all the lines, which way does the line go? Does it stalemate? That's a loss for the offensive line in a lot of cases. Do you get pushed back? That's a loss for the offensive line. Or do you consistently move the line of scrimmage in your favor? Best offensive lines are ones where you watch a running back run, and you're like, that was a nice two-yard gain because he just barely got past line of scrimmage. But then you're like, second and four. And you're like, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like That means the offensive line moved him for four, and then the running back got the last two. Right. So those are like those line yards. But I've always said this, like some of the some of the ways that I've seen some people evaluate line yards are kind of crap. So like Kyron Williams, 90 something yard run gets a, like some of the, the analytical ways I've seen it can get like graded really high. But I'm like, the dude got hit three yards behind the line of scrimmage. Now, I've seen other analytical people that will measure it by do they get touched by a certain you know point? That's a little bit better for me. Uh, but it just really comes down to a lot of it's just eye test, Ryan. I watch them play and I watch them play together. I watch them get movement. I watch them finish off blocks because sometimes pancakes can be bad because if you pancake a guy, you stop right there. I'd rather you take that guy and just keep driving them off away, right? Like that's ideally as if I'm running inside zone, I don't want you to pancake a guy. Like I don't, it's not as if you're running gap scheme stuff, it's not as bad. It, it's fine. But I don't necessarily want a pancake, especially at the line of scrimmage. If you pancake a guy down the field, cool. Like in the front seven, to me, sometimes pancakes can be counterproductive at this level because if I'm trying to do a cutback and you just hit a guy and pancake them right into where the hole's going to be, there's no hole there anymore. You know, so it, it can be that way too. I'd rather, I just, I like movement and pancakes stop movement if they're done in the first level and kind of near the first level. Different story. In, in the perimeter, I want you to put that freaking corner on his butt. So yeah. that way I can just cut off of you and go. But like in the box, I'm not a big pancake guy as far as a, as a coordinator play caller. Evaluating sure. it, it's cool to see because you can see a guy's finishing power and stuff like that. And, and they're good as evaluation. But if I'm running an offense, 
I don't want you to pancake him. I want you to get under his pads, lift him up, and drive his butt to the freaking bench. That's what I want you to do. Because now my running back's going to cut off of it, and there's not this pile of humanity in the middle of the field. What is the best way to measure offensive line production? IGK, say it with me. Film. Thank you. Thanks for being here tonight. Thank you for being here tonight. Short, sync, to the point. Hey, man, I I just I have seen a lot of stats where I just don't subscribe to why they show because a lot of it's scheme driven. Some of it's just the the quality of opponent that you're playing. Like, there's a lot of tangible things that are just yeah. There's just a lot of things behind the scenes that I just think are are going to be able to manipulate numbers in a certain way that it's not going to tell. I mean, uh, PFF's one where. Tell me a, a stat I care less about than PFF offensive line grades. And oh my! I, God. That's the number one. That's the number one. Now Joe, they got Joe all right, obviously, with how well right. he's played. But for the Some most things part, are obvious. Sometimes I just yeah. watch NFL draft prospects, and I just go back just for for shits and oh, for S and Gs. My bad. And uh, <laughs> and and look at what their PFF grades are in certain capacities. I'm just like, I don't see that at all, man. One right. way or the other, too. It's like, that guy's supposed to be the stud, in P- according to PFF. And I didn't see it at all. So it happens Ryan, every year. Yes. all offseason in 2021, I got hammered by Kane people. Madden. Why are yeah. you so down on Kane Madden? You don't yeah. like Jeff. He was a first-team pro football focus All-American. Sure. I watched yeah. film. Why, why are you so down on Kane Madden? Because I watched his film. And I realize he can't play at this level the way that he played there. That's why. Uh, so yes, you are you are correct. It's watch the freaking film. Yes, but I but my answer is so much more longer. Hey <laughs> man, but that's what I you said though, I wasn't test. it? For the most part, that's yeah, what you I said. I test. Yeah. I test. Yeah. It's how you watch them together. Yep. We had I don't know what that name is. Lilo yeah, Bertelli. Let's go with that. Yeah. But I, I thank you so much for the super chat. I'm sorry. I don't know what your name is, though. Will Notre Dame administration allow an offensive analyst to pair up with a seasoned offensive coordinator? I have no idea. I mean, the administration's not going to – they're not going to say, hey, no, go hire a young guy. No. I, like this whole thing with, with, with Andy Ludwig is such a – it's gotten blown into something that it wasn't. It was a dropped ball big time by the Notre Dame administration. It was not a we refuse to pay it just because we're cheap thing. It was a, you dropped the ball and then you tried to save face in this regard. And then when that backfired, then you tried to save save face in this regard, instead of just being honest, we did not do what we needed to do to know what the buyout was. When we sat down and negotiate, we screwed up. We should have known. Yeah, but the agent, you should have known simple as that. And then that's what it turned into. It was never a, because if it was that, guys, if they knew the buyout when the when the, before the interview started, they never would have brought him in for an interview. Yeah. If they'd said, no, there's no way we're paying that kind of money, they wouldn't have brought him in for an interview. Simple as that. Yep. So it was a t- stupid, bad decision, but we it's turned into there's cheap and won't pay for an OC. That's not what happened last year. It's not what yep. happened last year. Yeah. Just a very unfortunate circumstance. So let's hope yep. that Marcus Freeman has more support this time around. Yes, so let's be very exactly. about that. Cody Lyman, thoughts on Will Black as a prospect? I like him a lot, Cody. I really do. He's a big kid, six foot seven, two eighty five, two ninety, somewhere in that ballpark. He's got long arms. 
He's very, I think he's a really good athlete too. I think fundamentally, technically speaking, he's still figuring it out as far as like Mm -hmm. how his body moves processes correctly. But I think when you see him just kind of work out in space and stuff, I'm just like, kick can move, man. So I think he's a potential true left tackle prospect for Notre Dame in 2025. If they're able to land him, if not, I think he'll be a, I mean, he's going to play, he's going to be a tackle though, regardless. Like there's no doubt about that. So I think the raw tools are really nice. He is, he is, he's, He's not as far, far as long as like an Owen Strebig, for instance, right? Like right. Owen Strebig is more physically advanced or technically advanced, I should say. But Will Black has a lot of tools that I get excited about. Well, and and honestly, if they're also able to get Owen Strebig, I kind of like that because if Will if Will Black can play left tackle, then you could put Owen Strebig at right tackle and say, go crush people. <laughs> Six eight two ninety five. Yeah, like just go dominate people, and and um, that'd be one heck of a pair if you're able to pull that off. And There's then no if you get Maddie, Maddie Augustine to go along yeah. with that, it's pretty good. Maybe a Jack yeah. Lang if you push to four. Yeah, man. Yep. That's some good stuff right there. Yep. Scott, kind of getting close to the end here, Ryan. Let's get yep. to um, uh, let's see here. R- real quick, Joe, Joe, Fred Sanford said, Joe Brady wasn't a splash at LSU. Nobody had heard of him. With all due respect, Fred, that's not accurate. I yep. literally predicted LSU to be a playoff team in 2019 because they hired Joe Brady. Now, did I know that he was going to do what he did? No, but you knew he was coming in. You knew his background. You knew his reputation as a young up-and-coming coach, which is why he got that job, right? So um, now, again, did I predict they'd score 50 points a game? No, Ryan, I didn't. But I literally have, am on record as having predicted LSU to be a playoff team in 2019 because I loved the talent. You knew the receiving core was loaded. You knew Joe Bur- Joe Burrow was a better player than we saw. Uh, that year, they had a decent offensive line. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is the only guy that I didn't know about on that team. Like, But they had some other running backs I liked on that team. But I, I literally, when they hired him, I was like, okay, the only reason you hire him is because you're trying to get a more modernized offense. And with that talent, boy, that team is going to be really good. So that that's not quite accurate to say nobody had heard of him. Yeah. Plenty of people in coaching had heard of him. And he was always a name. that was like, this guy's somebody that's made some uh, – a strong impression in the NFL as an up and coming offensive mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, there, there, he had a, he had a bit of an early reputation to be honest he did. with you. He's only 29 at the time too. Right. So yeah, he was right. kind of a young gun, right? Young, young gun, gun, but not 23 or he, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, the, no, no, young gun in the most positive sense of the, right. of the term. Exactly. Fact, like they, they just has a nice reputation already despite right. being young, just needed that opportunity and LSU gave yep. it to him. Absolutely. We had a bent and D two straight years. Notre Dame brings in a portal quarterback and then the offensive coordinator leaves. Does this cause anyone from the portal loss to re or from the portal to reconsider could be risky that they might not fit with the new OC possible. It's a re it's a reasonable yeah. question. A bent. It really yeah. is because we did just see this whole situation last year where Tommy mm-hmm. Reese got his guy. Tommy Reese left a new offensive coordinator had to figure out how to use Tommy Reese's guy. And right. We maybe we'll be in the same situation. I don't know. I but I mean ultimately, I still think Riley Leonard has a skill set where it's like if you can't figure out how to use him in some capacity, then right. you're not a good you, offensive coordinator. You in probably general. shouldn't be so, exact. Yeah. We're Sam to your point, Ryan. That's a great point because Sam Hartman, you had to kind of fit him into this niche, right? Like if you're a dropback guy, you can still you're still going to like Riley Leonard. There's still a lot to bring to the table, and if you can't then utilize his legs, you're not competent enough to be the OC at Notre Dame. Like, seriously, if you can't look at Chris Mitchell and if you can't look at Bo Collins and 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 Riley Leonard and say, I can do something with that, yeah, then you're not a very good OC. But what it comes down to is, will they feel that way? 
that's where Marcus Freeman and Chad Bowden got to come into the mix and be like, look, do you trust me? Do you trust me to go out there and make the hire that that's going to to get this thing to? Because our goals haven't changed. Jared left, but our goals haven't changed. I'm going to go get someone that's going to because because Jared was doing what I want wanted him to do. That's the pitch. That's what you sell. And I'm going to find someone that's going to do that. Believe that. But there's there's going to be a little bit of a concern until we hear that they've officially signed their paperwork for me. I'm 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 going to feel that way. I'm not going to lie to you, because these kids have one chance. Riley is one has one year. Chris Mitchell has one year. Bo Collins has one year. That's three guys that have no other chances after this year. Jamal Banks is the same way if they're able to land him. So, yeah, you got to get it right. There's no doubt. But, um, you know, hopefully Marcus Freeman will be able to kind of make that pitch to say, hey, look, nothing's changed on our end. Just who's in charge changed. But our vision of who we want to be has not changed at all. Sure. Has not changed at all. Good, Good question. I saw someone in the chat say, I doubt anybody came to, to want to be coached by Parker. Um, I think the offensive coordinator was probably a big yeah. part of the conversation like, for some of these offenses. Again, players. stop projecting <laughs> your emotions onto other yeah. people. You're yeah. telling me Riley Leonard picked Notre Dame in spite of the offensive coordinator? <laughs> well, come on, guys. Let's use some common sense here. A, a, a quarterback who has one year left like, exactly. I don't care who calls I'm, the plays. Yeah. All right. Man. <laughs> Relax, man. Uh, NC Notre Dame fan. I asked this question to Ryan a few shows ago. Would love to hear your answer, Brian. What is the difference between Gearby Lambert and Ty Chan? Both were the one play oh, were the one play out number of one Mass- player. Number one yeah. player out of Massachusetts. Thank you. I mean, it's film. I mean, again, I, I didn't have Ty Chan ranked very high in my recruiting class rankings. I didn't. I, I thought he was a nice player, but I wasn't as high on him as some other people. I especially because like he was a weird kid, Ryan, too, because as an underclassman, so he missed his junior year because of COVID. And as a sophomore, he was like 6'5", 6'6", and like 250, 260, like tall, skinny, you know, pretty decent athlete. And then he comes back as a senior, and he's like over 300 pounds. And he was way bigger. I I remember when he first committed to Notre Dame, I remember seeing the picture of him like super skinny, and I thought he was like a left tackle or something. Yeah. Yeah. I had him as the number nine player in that class. And and there was only 10 offensive guys signed. Adam is the number seven upside guy in that class. Uh, the guy that I compared him to when I came to high school is Michael Dieter because I had just seen him as an interior guy. He was no longer that long athletic edge tag. He was now a, 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 a he turned into a phone. It's like two different kids. He turned into a phone booth guy. Well, the problem he's had at Notre Dame is they've been trying to make him a tackle. It's not a tackle, uh, you know. But but when you watch Gearby Lambert, I mean he's he's carries his 300 pounds much better he's longer he's taller he's more powerful in my opinion which is natural punch and the film just tells a complete uh, the only thing they have in common is they both played high school football in massachusetts that's it i mean there's not a lot else they have in common you know it just they're very different players and i graded gearby out very high and and ty chan i didn't grade out as high you know so and why? Because that's what the film said. I mean, I, I had Ty Chan as a top 250 caliber prospect. That's it, coming out of high school. I mean, he was a good player. I mean, I, it's, I'm still not writing off Ty Chan. Like, I mean, he's a big kid. Move him inside the guard. Let him finally get comfortable somewhere. You know, give him a shot. Uh, but they've had to move, do more to at tackle with him because they had they were so thin at tackle, they had to try to give him a chance to play tackle. And uh, that's where it's at on that one but i mean to me they're, they're just the talent is not close yeah it's not 
This All is right. a quick one. David M. Does CJ Carr play a snap in the bowl game? CJ's not he allowed can't. to play in the bowl yeah. game, just he so cannot. we're clear. And I know so we've asked answered that question before, but I know that the you know not everybody can listen to every chat. So I just want to make sure that we're clear again. He's not allowed to play in the bowl game. Yep, yep, yep. Guinea pig clips. How are we doing with top players from Illinois and Indiana, namely Damian Shanklin, Taylor Taylor? Christopher Burgess, Mark Zachary, and Nathaniel Marshall. I haven't heard Nathaniel Marshall's name in a while. Okay, let's just get that one out of the way right away. <laughs> that is not going to happen. That is not a fit. Notre Dame's not recruiting him. It's just yeah. that that ship sailed a long time ago. Um, yeah. I would argue with, with Shanklin and Burgess and Zachary Ryan, I would say Notre Dame is the leader right now for all three. I would agree. To varying yes. degrees. With Taylor yes. and Taylor, I'd say they're more in the top group. More I so don't, than I, being the leader. Right. I, I wouldn't say that Taylor Taylor has a perceived leader as Correct. of right now is the yes. thing. Like he likes Michigan, he likes Notre Dame, but I wouldn't say there's one that's Ohio like State that's recently the offered spots for him. You've you know got to beat that school. Like right now, if you want yeah. Damian Shanklin or Chris Burgess or Mark Zachary, Notre Dame's the team to beat. Like that's that's the team to beat. With Shanklin, it's like, okay, is it Michigan? Is it Ohio State now that they've offered? Is I know he visited Georgia. I know he likes Georgia a lot. Like, you know, like you said, he they're in the top group. And I don't know that Taylor is at a position yet where he's kind of zeroed in on where I think Shanklin and and Burgess are much closer to decisions. So there are they're in the process of yeah, you know, I, I mean, I down. mean, literally, yeah. Christopher Burgess has set a decision date for three the weeks, sixth. right? Yeah, yeah. So you know, yeah. So yeah, January sixth. You'll be down there for for his commitment because you'll it'll be in San Antonio and um you know I, Shanklin doesn't have a decision time made yet that I know of yeah. he yeah. was on campus this weekend yeah. but it's getting closer now than it was before for sure and not just because time passed but I, I think Notre Dame has certainly separated themselves now it's just about closing it's about closing the deal. I always love when Nathaniel Marshall's in, a, in one of yeah. these things. He's very talented. Notre Dame likes oh, his film. It's really just, good. Yeah. It's just not a fit. Yes. It's just, yeah, not a fit at all. All right. We had Irish Gordian now with another one. Who do you like more coming out, Brennan Vernon or Cole Mullins? They're I a little like different. More. Yeah, they're a little different players. Yep. Uh, I grade Cole Mullins out higher. I think he's the better athlete. Uh, I think he's the more dynamic player. I'm more certain that Brennan Vernon can play defensive line at this level. Just because he's done it. Cole Mullins has been mostly a linebacker. And, and now he's played some edge. Uh, but I like Cole Mullins more. I think he's the better athlete. Brennan's longer. He has the bigger body. Yep. Uh, you know, so they're different players. They're definitely different types of players. But I like I like Cole more. And Ryan, you said you like Brennan more, right? I do like Brennan more, yep. Yeah. You were very high on him. Because I think one of the biggest misconceptions that people had about Brennan Vernon is something you kept harking on last year. Like, you, everybody thinks he's like this just high floor guy and he's yep. the opposite he's a lower floor higher ceiling guy because he's very raw in a lot of different ways yep 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 john a1 will the new offensive corner have to inherit the current offensive assistance if not are there any position coaches on offense that aren't movable i would well first of all if you come into notre dame and you're like hey i want to replace dela mccullough it's kind of like that's a that's a deal. That tells me a lot about your knowledge of football, right? Here's the reality. Whoever the new OC is, most likely is going to be told, these are the guys that you're going to coach with. That, that's just, that's the, that's what happened at D coordinator when Marcus Freeman hired Al Golden. 
Uh, Notre Dame had reached out. They were, they were in conversations with John Heacock. They liked him and, you know, went through the interview process. And one of the things he said was, I want to bring in my guys. And he was like, no, you're going to coach with Mike Mickens and now Washington and Chris O'Leary. And, and so it just kind of stalled the conversations. They didn't go any further on that one. Al Golden came in and said, okay, I'll work with those guys. That's how it's going to be. And, and so look now, if, is there a coordinator who could have the say to do that? Sure. But I don't know that that guy's out there. I mean, like if if, I'm trying to think of like, if there's like this, like, let's say Joe Brady never left LSU and just kept doing what he was doing. And he wanted to come to Notre Dame and said, I want to bring my guys with me. You're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. We can have that conversation. Right. Like meaning like if he'd have kept doing what they were doing, you get what I'm saying. Right. Um, but that list of guys is kind of small in my opinion. And if you're Marcus Freeman, like, look, I'm not going to have a fifth, fourth offensive line coach in four years. I'm, 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 I just hired Mike Brown. He's one of the you know best in the, um, you've got good guys here, work with them. And then you come here and you work with them and you, you know, it doesn't work out. Then you can, then you can move on. But no, there, there won't be any wholesale changes unless the guys on the current staff leave in my opinion. So that, that would be, that would be my deal. Could yeah. I see like one other assistant leaving at some point this offseason? Yeah, I could see that, but I don't think it'll be because the new OC comes in and forces them out necessarily. So, yep. Yeah. And uh, Ryan, yes. that, that I've had about five people do this. Connor Steins is the OC. I just, it's like, just had to put that up there. Analysts, guys, make him an yes. analyst. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, Ryan, I believe that is it. There's a few, okay. there's a lot of other questions, but we got to, we got to wrap this up here. So I'm going to go down here, just make sure there, there aren't, um, make sure there isn't anything else in here. I, th- I think we're good. I think we're good. So we'll, uh, folks, again, we'll, we'll, tonight we will have um, Ivy Nation Sports Talk at 6 o'clock tonight. I'm going to be calling Vince after we get off to talk about that. And then tomorrow at 1 o'clock, Ryan and I will go live for our normal, a normal Tuesday show. We'll talk a lot more about the OC stuff, kind of start the Notre Dame is playing a bowl game in 11 days, so we'll start talking about the bowl game coming up here too. Uh, Wednesday will be signing day. We'll get started at noon on Wednesday, just a reminder, and that'll be an all-day thing. It's going to be a, a lot of fun. Ryan's got a lot of guys lined up for that. Thursday, we'll be back, and our Thursday show will be back at 1 o'clock. That will be our analysis, our real thorough breakdown of the 24 recruiting class. So t- Wednesday, we'll be about interviewing players and recruits, and it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to introduce you to a lot of these kids and their families. Thursday we'll dive into it, break it all down, and then Friday we'll have a recruiting show, uh, and then we'll we'll probably have a, a weekend show. Uh, see, 19, 20, 20, 20, 20. We'll probably do something Saturday or Sunday. Probably Saturday. Uh, we'll see me or Vince or somebody or Sean or somebody. We'll have that on Saturday, and then of course next week is, is Christmas. So next Monday, just so you know, is Christmas. We will probably have a show like recorded or something, but we will not have a live show next Christmas next uh, next Monday. So just so you know, no mailbag next Monday. So anyway, uh, for Ryan, I'm Brian. Thank you all so much. Hit that like button. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast. If you're listening via podcast platform, we'd greatly appreciate a five-star review. That would mean a lot to us. And if you've not done so, sign up for the message board at boards.irishbreakdown.com. All the intel we get about the OC and these other things, guys, we are not going to be talking a lot about that in the show. That's the kind of stuff that is going to be in, you know, in the on the premium message board uh, more so than that. Uh, then stuff we'll give little hints and stuff but that stuff's going to come on the message board so you're definitely going to be a member of that board so 
Have a great rest of your day, everybody. Hour and 20 minutes. Don't forget IB Nation Sports Talk, and we'll talk to you guys again very soon on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom, and a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.